Hey, welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our community. What did they do to get started and what are they doing to stay there? Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Marie Bestichek. She is the Director of HR Operations at McKesson, and I am so excited to have you on the show. Hey, Marie. Hi there. How are you? I am so good, and I'm so glad to see you. Uh, we're going to talk leadership today. Uh, we are going to talk, we might even talk a little bit of global mobility today. And I'm just, uh, I'm excited that you came onto the show today. And I know that you actually, you're going to tell your story, but you actually are new to Texas, aren't you? Yes, that's right. Um, first of all, thank you for inviting me. I feel very honored to be on the podcast. And um, uh, thank you for thinking of me on this uh, leadership uh, podcast. So I really appreciate it. Yes, uh, we are new to Texas. My husband and I moved here um, back in December 2020. So pretty much in the middle of the pandemic, uh, which is still going on apparently. Um, so yeah, still learning uh, you know, uh, the Texas way of life and uh, trying to explore some of the areas here. I love it. Hey, uh, as we start the show today, I would love for you, just for those who may not know who McKesson is, would you mind just sharing a brief highlight of who is McKesson and how do you serve your customers? Yeah, so McKesson is a uh, Fortune uh, 10 uh, company. Um, we are a large company, but many of uh, many people may not know us, um, and that's because we do a lot of activities behind the scenes, uh, being a core and main um, medical devices and medical supply and pharmaceutical distributor um, here in the United States. Um, so we distribute, you know, pharmacy and supplies to hospitals, clinics, um, pharmacies, um, and so on. And we are actually the distributor of the Moderna vaccine. Um, so that's our core focus right now as well. So, Wow. I'll tell you what, whenever you talk about, you know, different uh, people in different careers, I remember whenever I first kind of like um, found my like purpose when I relocating talent, it was when I helped a, um, a gentleman, he needed to move his mom and it, she just needed to move a box in a, a little dresser in a bed, but it was so important to him. And I was thinking about you and your role and your company, and right now, how important it is uh, the organization you work for. So I just, I just think that's that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. Hey, let me uh, let me ask you this. I always I love stories, and I know you recently moved to Texas. We just talked about that. Uh, I would love to hear the Marie Bestacek story. Like, where did you grow up? And how in the world did you get into HR and global mobility in your career? Okay, well, it's a bit of a long, uh, I would say, and complicated story. Um, so I'm from the Czech Republic, um, and back, uh, you know, back in the day, um, it was known as Czechoslovakia. Um, my family, uh, my parents, and I came here along with my brother and sister in 1985. Um, when it was still under communism. So we immigrated to the US um, legally. Um, you know, we actually waited and, and it took about three years for us to get the approval from the United States government. Um, came to San Francisco, had a sponsor in the US, and then we moved to Sacramento. So essentially since the age of seven, I grew up um, in California 
went to school here. And then at the age of 17, I decided I wanna explore the world a little bit. So I went and did a, a rotary exchange program where I went to high school in Finland uh, for one year, which was really, really wonderful. Um, stayed with three different host families, got to know the culture and the people there. And they're just a wonderful group of people. Um, I, I loved it there. Um, and I decided to still explore the world a little bit. So I decided to go back to the Czech Republic and lived on my own. My, my dad was actually moved back there in the, um, in the time that we came here to the US. So he moved back. Um, I lived by myself. I, you know, hung out with my friends and with my cousin's friends and um, saw, you know, got to know the rest of my family, uh, my aunts and uncles and stayed there for about a year and a half. And then I came to the US uh, did my bachelor's degree here. Then I went back to the Czech Republic where I worked at Johnson & Johnson in marketing uh, for three and a half years. When, then came back to the US, uh, did my master's um, in Sacramento, and then again decided to go back to the Czech Republic <laughs> where I um, ended up working in Siemens uh, in Prague. And that's where I got um, got to know the mobility side um, of things. I wasn't aware there was a global mobility um, industry. Um, and I actually got to this point because I worked in contract management before and they were looking for somebody who was um, experienced in contract management and accounting or as I say invoicing because they were uh, Siemens was setting up new delegation centers for the global mobility um, in Siemens. So that was going to be centered in Prague and it was a new department they were setting up. So I got into global mobility through more of the accounting um, slash contract management side. And then back in, and then after being there for four years, I ended up in um, San Francisco working for McKesson um, in 2015. I knew um, the person who was hiring, um, I actually knew him from Siemens. So that's kind of how I got more on the employment slash corporate side of global mobility. Wow, you have been exploring the world. I yes. love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, wow. I actually left out two, uh, two internships at the US department. Uh, one was in Sweden and one was in the Netherlands, uh, which were also, you know, for a few months, it was just wonderful experience again. So definitely like to live in other countries. <laughs> So let me ask you this, was it, I mean, so for me, I've been to Canada and I've been to Mexico and US, of course, I mean, that's it. And so for so for someone like me, I'm like, that sounds daunting to go to uh, take a, a high school um, a year in Finland. Was that, uh, was that scary at all? Or were you just like, yeah, what was that like? I think it was. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I wanted to, to, I did want to go to Europe. I actually, the way that the Rotary worked, the exchange program, you got to pick three countries and then they essentially assigned you one. So mm. I put in Germany, Spain, um, and Scandinavia because I thought I want to learn German or Spanish. And then they sent me to Finland, uh, which I didn't expect. So it was kind of a surprise. Um, but yes, it was scary. And, you know, I won't lie, the first few months were tough um, because, again, I mean, everybody speaks English there, but the, the people are very um, shy, I would say. Um, you know, so it was difficult at first because, you know, there were some lonely moments, I'm not going to lie. Um, but then, you know, in a few months, it got better. And then by the end, after that one year, I didn't really want to leave. Um, so and all of my families were just really great. They all spoke English. They had 
um, children or kids my age. Um, so that was that was nice, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful city that we stayed that I stayed in. So yeah, oh, but it was, it was of course it was a little bit uh, scary. Mm -hmm. I can imagine how beautiful that is. Let me let me yeah. ask you this: How many languages do you speak? Oh, well, just um, well, just fluently. I speak Czech and um, English, and of course, Slovakian is so close to Czech that you can understand it. We have. Uh, but I studied Spanish for four years and then I studied German for two years. But again, for me, it's the way to learn a language, at least for me, is to uh, to basically um, live in the country. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I had a uh, I had a gentleman working for me one year and he was from Brazil and he yeah. was telling me how he learned to speak English. And that was once he came over to the U.S. and he started watching uh, channels of different shows with English. And he, that's how he learned uh, to speak to speak English. I just thought it was very fascinating. And what's interesting is, and I only speak English, I've tried to, um, I've taken uh, Spanish. <laughs> and I know a few words, I just can't, but it's because I'm not forced to use yeah. it. Right? That's, just that's like exactly. anything else, right? You have to practice it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's been my uh, downfall, I have to say, because again, unless I live there or I know I'm going to be living, uh, going there. So for example, before I went to Finland, I studied Finnish and I was actually able to understand the basic household, let's say, um, you know, uh, in uh, communication when I was uh, living there. But unless I have that motivation where I know I'm going to be going to that country or I'm actually living in that country, it's difficult to just start study something just to study it because then, you know, you, you start doing it. And then after a few months, Again, it kind of wanes as other priorities take over. So, yeah. You know, little did you, and I don't know if you knew this or not at the time, but did you realize the uh, the value of being able to uh, get this experience through traveling, uh, speaking different languages, and and then all of a sudden you're getting an opportunity for a global mobility program. And it just like, I know you mentioned that you got in through the contracts, but it just aligns because all of a sudden now you can really help people through your own experiences, right? Yes. And I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't think of it back in the back in the day when I was starting out, I wasn't thinking what is the value of me doing this, it was more that I was doing it because I wanted to and I was interested in the international field. I actually studied international business when I was in uh, for my bachelor's and then international relations for my master's. So I always felt, um, especially being an immigrant, you you tend to sometimes feel, or at least I felt that you don't really have a place called home in some ways. So it's always like you feel like um, you feel as if you, you know, that, that you just want to want to really focus, at least I wanted to just focus on the international side of things. So that was uh, where I wanted to go. And in some way, I didn't care how I got there, as long as I could still live in other countries and deal with kind of people coming from other countries, you know, uh, maybe people who have the shared same experiences as me. Um, so I really just like that area where you deal with people who've lived somewhere else or who've traveled a lot or who speak other languages or who are immigrants. So I think that's a part that's always been interesting to me because of my own personal experience. Yeah, no, I'm glad you shared that because I know a lot of people get stuck today, especially a lot of young people get stuck yeah. today on trying to figure out what they want to do. 
right? And they don't really know. I remember uh, when I graduated from college, I'd never even dreamed of what or even heard of what relocation was or what it meant. And so I always, when I'm helping people, I always go back to uh, the saying I heard from Jim Rohn years ago. And he said, if you want more, you have to become more. That success is not something you pursue. It's something you attract. So you just keep growing in whatever uh, whatever, whatever you're doing, you just keep trying to get better in that field. And and eventually it will lead to those opportunities, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I have to admit that, um, also the same thing when I was younger, um, you know, I feel that people, when they're teenagers, especially you're exploring what interests you, um, what you want to do. And I actually advocate for taking a gap year or even two before going to college because I feel like that'll give you that opportunity to travel, to meet other people, to meet other cultures, and to really see what it is that you want to do, rather than being the two years in college taking general education classes. You know, I feel like it's kind of, for me anyway, I I felt like that helped, um, because I had that time to just kind of, you know, be a teenager, while at the same time having that experience of living on my own, and and being in a different country and just meeting different people. And um, those are experiences that I will never forget and that won't be taken away. And then, you know, you're ready to go to college if that's what you wanna do. Maybe you decide that you don't wanna do that, right? If college isn't always the end all, there's other, there's vocational schools, there's other things that can be done. So I, I like to advocate for that, but of course everybody's path is different. I gotta, I gotta ask you, this is, this. There, I have so many questions for you, but this is just so fascinating to me because I think networking is hard. It's hard yes. meeting people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about, Hey, I advocate for you doing that. Number one, I, I like that too, because you're almost, it's almost like we talked about uh, learning a new language. You're forcing yeah. yourself to go do that. But I, I'm just curious, like for you, how, how were you able to uh, how were you able to build those relationships uh, whenever you were uh, in, in, in different areas? So whenever I went somewhere um, and lived somewhere else, honestly, the first path was usually through work. So um, in Europe, the, the culture is that typically, anyway, this has been my experience, that you work with colleagues and you end up going to a pub afterwards or have activities outside of work that aren't always work related right so you get to know the people through that channel and then they know people and I always I think I I was lucky in that respect that I always worked with people who um, you know we we gathered um, after work or outside of work and I was able to get to meet people that way here in Texas after moving here I mean given you know where I'm at in my professional career I've joined the uh, North Texas relocation Uh, or uh, relocation professional group, which I think is great for networking as well. And I've uh, met met good people through there. Um, Or also when I was in San Francisco, you know, I was part of the Bay Area Mobility um, group as well. So that's always a great way to network. And, you know, you network with various um, vendors and suppliers. um, So that's also really great. Um, But when I was overseas, it usually started off with uh, work colleagues, and then it would expand through that. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and, and I like how you frame that because to me, what I heard was, hey, start small. Don't worry about yeah. going big. Just start small, start inside your organization and just kind of, 
Oh, I just love that. I listen, I could talk about this piece for a, a long time. And I do want to get back to this because I, I, since you just moved here, but I want to ask you this question. Uh, as you have gone through your career, and here you are today, right? You're, you're, you're leading uh, operations. Was there, did you have some mentors in your career that helped you? And, and if, and if you did, like, what was it about them that helped you? Because I feel like mentors are a common thread for high performers uh, in the leadership lane. Mm -hmm. Yes, I feel like in the beginning, of course, when I started out, I had, um, uh, you know, you have managers, right? Um, and so they're there and they, they kind of give you the feedback. Um, but I feel like I got my mentorship more as I, I went further in the career. So I would say in uh, when I worked, uh, when I was studying for my master's, I had a job at a nonprofit and I felt that my manager at that point, um, you know, we had a good working relationship and um, I did see him as a mentor. And then when I was at McKesson, I started out as a um, mobility specialist and my manager at McKesson was also a wonderful mentor. He was very knowledgeable, he still is very knowledgeable about mobility. Um, and I felt like that that really helped um, move me forward as well and, and give me the skills I needed to get to where I am now. Um, so definitely, I think mentorship is important. Um, I always find that mentorship is, it, it, I didn't, I never sought a mentor uh, like as an active um, thing, but I know that other people do and that's fine. Uh, for me, it was more that the people around me eventually became the mentors that um, that I had, but it wasn't that I actually actively sought somebody out from a different organization, although I know that that, that is also um, that happened. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think what you're saying is very common as well, is that a lot of people don't even realize they're mentors. Yeah. Uh, you're just watching them and you just like the way they do certain things and you're pulling out different things. As a matter of fact, there's several people that have written books. They don't realize there are mentors to people that are reading them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big, uh, big John Maxwell fan. I love reading all his leadership and he, I mean, he doesn't realize he's been a great mentor for me. So mentors yeah. come in all, all shapes and sizes, but it's a matter of like, were there, were there some things that they did that made you go, you know what? I want to be more like that. Yeah, and I think that uh, a lot of it is also about the communication because for uh, as a mentor, you have to be open to your mentee uh, coming to you with a lot of questions uh, and you know discussing things and talking about nuanced um, you know situations and also the mentor I feel helps you think in a different way. So if you have a situation you know or if there's some topic that you're talking about. I may have my own opinion on it, but I also like to hear what other people are thinking. And, and the mentor can also guide you in, in thinking in a different way about a topic, which I always like, uh, because I feel like that's how you learn, right? It's not just to go forward with your own way of thinking, but to learn how to look at things differently and to evaluate that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I, I love that. I love it. Hey, let me ask you this. I, uh, I always like to refer to uh, find your lane. I wrote, I wrote the book, find your lane a few years ago and, and published that. And, and really it's around finding your calling, your purpose. And I always like to ask my guests, like, have you, have you found your lane, your, your purpose in, in your career and in life? And, uh, and if you have when, like, was there a moment where you knew 
I love doing this? Or were there several moments along the way? Or talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, I've, I've never had, I would say, a calling. And I've actually always envied the people who know at the age of 10 what they want to do. And they want to be a doctor, or they want to be a lawyer, or whatever, a teacher, you know, fireman, whatever the case, or fire person. Um, firefighter I guess you would say now uh, so <laughs> they all work a b c and d all the above I, I love think it. Was, but you work for it um but yeah so I always envied people who had that calling from the beginning and I never had that I just knew that I liked living abroad or living in different countries and I like languages I always liked uh hearing I love listening to other to other languages even if I don't understand what what's been said I love the sound of it so I knew that that was something that I really liked. Uh, and I am lucky that I got into global mobility because I feel like that fulfills that um, passion for, for the international side of things. Um, but I don't feel that I've, I found like a calling in terms of this, yes, this is it. And this is what I'm gonna do forever. I feel like it's, um, if I were to say what my calling is, my calling would be, or what drives me is to still be able to eventually not, at this moment, of course, but eventually still live in another country and explore that, you know, um, and learn a third language. That's that's kind of my calling. <laughs> but I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what I feel is the calling is just to be in that international side. I, I really, I really like what you said there. And, and it reminded me of one of my guests, Camille Tate, uh, talent acquisition leader. Uh, she said, purpose is fluid. Mm -hmm. And she said there's different seasons in her journey where she mm -hmm. has a different purpose. And so yeah. I, 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 I like what you're, what you're saying there. And I, I love that. And, and by the way, I'm envious. I mean, you, I mean, being able to travel abroad and get those experiences, I just think it's so cool. And by the way, you, when you just said, I like the way the languages sound, I mean, I'm like, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Let, let me ask you, uh, let me ask you this. I want to talk leadership 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about like, what do you, what part of, uh, so are you mainly in charge of global mobility, HR? What, like, what, what is your, what is your primary role there? Yeah. So um, as the director of HR operations, I mean, that's kind of a broad category, right? Because many yeah. things fall under HR operations. So my um, departments are um, workforce administration mm -hmm. um, and then global mobility. Okay. So two, two areas essentially here at McKesson. Yeah. Fantastic. Have you, let me, let me ask you this. I know that you said you, you moved here at the end of 2020. I mean, in the middle of a pandemic, I mean, so talk about getting experiences um, now experienced through a pandemic that had to be challenging for you. Um, I would like to, um, I wanted to ask you this question. That was what has been a silver lining over the last, I guess, year, what's been a silver lining for you that you've been able to apply today? Because it's been a very, very challenging time. Were there any silver linings for, from that? Hmm, that's a good, that's a tough question, right? Because most people talk about the challenges. Yeah. And people don't think about what has come out of this um, challenging time um, as a positive. That's, a, that's really an interesting question. I mean, I feel like any tough situation, you know, makes a person stronger. 
Um, but I feel like it really puts all of this, this, this pandemic basically makes a person realize what's important in life. Mm. Um, so, you know, you start to value family and I've always valued um, the people around me, but you really realize that time is precious and life is precious. And so you start to appreciate every day and then the little things in life as well. Um, so, you know, I think that that's something that that instead of just always focusing on, you know, I don't know, for example, externalities, right? You start to focus more on internal things and then mm -hmm. with the value and be, being grateful for things that are good and not just looking at things that are going bad. Um, and I think that's something that I've also learned um, during this time. I mean, and honestly, I'm actually glad that we act, did relocate to Texas. Um, and that to me is a silver lining, uh, you know, because it again gives me opportunity to explore a new state. And I feel in the US, every state is a country <laughs> of its own. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it was, it was an, a good opportunity. I mean, my husband was able to keep his job. Um, I've been able to grow with McKesson. Um, so I think that that's definitely a silver lining as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And I, I know it's, you know, we were just talking about, you know, these different experiences, getting to know different people. But I would think that coming from California during a pandemic has to be probably the one of the most challenging times in a career to get to know people. Yes, yes, that has been tough. <laughs> because, you know, the when we when McKesson first announced that its headquarters would be moving, that was two years ago. And mm -hmm. so we, I knew that the timeline to move would be by end of uh, December uh, 2020. I knew that we had until the uh, end of 2020 to move. But you're right, essentially everything changed. So I was expecting initially, hey, you know, you go into the office, you meet people through work. Yep. Um, but coming in, you don't. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the first few months were a little tough. Um, you know, my husband and I, we still, you know, are able to, again, like I said, go out for walks or, you know, explore the area here. Um, but later on, you know, after the vaccine, uh, vaccine started rolling out, I, I have met uh, people through the North, um, North Texas relocation professional uh, group in person. And so that's helped as well, but we're still in that stage of where you're still getting to know people and you're right. You can't do hobbies, right? So, for example, my husband likes to do martial arts, and at this stage, it's difficult to sometimes go and and take a martial arts um, class um, or course um, because it's just things are still a little bit more restricted. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but there's that silver lining taking those walks yeah. together. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah, fantastic. I, that before. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Hey, well, let me ask you this: um, how how big is your team? I, I'm curious if you're managing or leading your team any differently today than you were, I don't know, last year or so? Any well, so my team is seven people. And um, so two on the mobility side and five on the workforce administration side. And um, before, um, so I've been in this role not very long. I've only been in this role since April. So before mm -hmm. that, I was I had a team of one uh, person who was on the mobility. And then because, um, you know, there was, um, there was that opening, so I, I got promoted, and then I have that workforce admin team, um, which is the five, and then the additional one person for my backfill in the previous role. So the team has definitely grown. Uh, most of the team actually was um, permanent work from home before uh, the pandemic, even. So there hasn't been um, there hasn't been that much change for them. Um, but yes, 
now everything is remote. So that's been a little bit more challenging because I always like to go and, and meet people in person and I like to meet the team in person, right? And I still haven't met any of my team members yet. Um, I actually will be meeting two of them this month in person, but it's just been a little bit harder. And, you know, my team is kind of, um, they're not in the same locations either. So not all of them are in Texas. Um, so that's also kind of a little bit more um, challenging sometimes, right? Yeah, my, my son, he's a uh, talent acquisition leader for Bank of America. And he lives in Denver and he's got teammates in like South Carolina, all over the U S um, that, and he was telling me it's really, it's made him be more intentional, uh, not having them not him in the office. Hey, let me ask you uh, this question. And I'm curious, has global mobility uh, for your group, has it changed a whole lot in the, in the last year? Have you, or are y'all just continuing as you have in the past? Well, we've we're a heavily outsourced program, I would say. So okay. uh, we we certainly have relied heavily on our vendors. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the difference that has happened now is, I mean, there was some attrition in my department as well, so that yeah. also changes things, right? I think the biggest. Um, so I think that the work itself in terms of, you know, the daily activities, um, they haven't maybe changed that much, but what's changed is the landscape. So especially on the immigration side, we've had so many um, issues arising from the former administration where there were backlogs with the U.S. government and then, you know, the travel restrictions that came up. Um, so definitely now we're more involved in especially after the pandemic, right? We, we didn't have to ever deal with people getting stuck overseas. Then we started having to deal with that. Um, we were in the middle of a group move at McKesson, basically the last wave of people coming from uh, California to Texas. So that was also, we had to adapt certain things to uh, make sure that those people were still feeling safe and were safe during the relocation after the pandemic. So it's more the things with what are happening in the outside world and you have to make sure that your vendors are um, providing the services in a safe way um, and adapting to the pandemic. And now, of course, we're dealing with um, the ongoing effects of the pandemic regarding, you know, shipping delays and, um, you know, still travel restrictions, even though those are being uh, lifted. So you basically start to just, it was, I would say, the, the definitely more stressful. Just yeah, I would imagine I was uh, just talking with a global mobility leader and she was talking about, you know, even people that were taking vacations, then all of a sudden they're stuck yeah. uh, at the vacation site abroad. Yeah. And all of a sudden yeah. they can't, you know, it, it's just so, so many difficult and, and challenging situations. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've had, we've had, um, we didn't have too many expats that were that were in that situation, uh, but we did have one new assignment, for example, that was going over to the UK, and there was some difficulty there as well, right? Because um, as well because of the travel restrictions, the visa um, took longer. Um, there was more delays on the government side than temporary housing, finding a house. Um, I think the housing situation is becoming a little definitely more challenging as well because there's not as much availability for rentals um and now with brexit as well so we're we're, we're seeing the issues there as well so yeah who i mean who would have thought the housing market right i mean we all yeah. knew about the uh the household goods with the driver shortage and all of that but the housing market just all of a sudden just started booming 
Yes, and that's good on the home sale side, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it does make it challenging for the home purchase side. So, yes. you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of people um, having to extend temp housing. Um, so that's, that's definitely made it a little bit more difficult. Um, or, you know, the other side of it is that right now with McKesson, you know, there are some uh, relocations are still going on, um, but um, some of them are being postponed and, you know, things like that. So that's something that also didn't take place before. Um, so that's kind of something we're addressing as well. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this. Uh, and I have a couple of questions on this. The first question I have is, do you think remote work is here to stay? And then my follow-up question to that is going to be, have you found yourself and your team talking about making change in policy because of remote work? So um, I believe that remote work is here to stay, but what form that takes, I think will be fluid. Um, so I believe that some companies will allow that permanent work from home for certain roles. And then there, I believe that majority of companies will have a hybrid model. And then what that hybrid model looks like will depend on that company. Um, you know, maybe they're gonna say require each 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 team and each team member to go into the office once a week. Maybe it'll be once every two weeks. So I'm hearing different things from different companies. Um, some of them are more flexible. Uh, with McKesson, we're a little bit more flexible where it's more as office as destination. So it's not a formal policy per se, it's a guide. Um, so it's office as destination, but you still have to be co-located to one of our um, central offices. Um, and so it's, um, you know, I, I just think that it, the hybrid model is probably going to be here to stay, but what form that takes is going to depend on, on the companies. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> interesting. I've talked to several different uh, organizational leaders and they've kind of had that same, uh, the same verbiage, I guess, if you will, where it really mm -hmm. depends on their leadership and the, the culture mm -hmm. of that organization. But a lot mm -hmm. of them are talking about more of a, uh, I call it a hybrid flex where Hey, we're going to yeah. be in the office three days. You can be outside too, but it's not like every Thursday and Friday you're out every Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. You're in. It's more of how it works for the team and, and kind of more of a flex hybrid. Yes. And yeah. I think that's where it's heading. And I, you know, I, I, I did hear from one leader um, that basically it was heading this way anyway, mm. but the pandemic accelerated it. So it was almost like the pandemic accelerated this new approach 20 years, right? Because we would have gotten to this stage eventually, companies would start to become more flexible. But I think because of the pandemic, it just happened much more quickly than in, let's say, 10 years, right? Where that would be the norm at that point. Yeah, right. No, that's, uh, I think that's a good way of putting it. It, it, it just really accelerated that as yeah. well. Um, so let me let me ask you this. Um, I always like to, you know, there's there's HR a community listening. There's a, a mobility community listening. I always like to ask, you know, what are you know? Do you have any like tips that uh, you would share that if someone were well, they were uh, had a mobility program, or maybe they're starting a mobility program, and they haven't moved a whole lot of people. They maybe they've had an in-house, but all of a sudden now they want to they want to try to put something together. Any tips that you would share that has worked well for your organization when it comes to just having a, a mobility program? I think the main thing is having good vendors. Honestly, um, 
partners because it's not I feel like the vendor uh, relationship between vendors and corporations is to me it's a partnership mm. um, and you have to partner with the vend with the right vendors for your company um, so it depends on the, the company right some vendors are really good with large companies some are better with the smaller companies so I feel like you have to have that good connection with your vendors and then the vendors can really help with that setting up of the organization as well and with the outsourcing. Um, and the other piece is really to determine, you know, what, what kind of culture does your company have in terms of cost containment or, you know, how frequently do you send people out? Like what are the expectations, right? And you have to partner heavily with the HR business partners as well internally mm. and with the leaders, right? So I think that that's also very important. and and the other piece is communicating that there is a global mobility out there, because um, that was one of the main things when McKesson was setting up the, the organization or the department. You have to make, make others aware that this department exists um, because it's such a global mobility is inherently usually a very niche um, industry. And it's usually a small department within a large co corporation. And so you have to make yourself known um, to the rest of the HR and as well to, um, to managers and employees so that they know that who to reach out to. So that's very, um, very important. Okay, so I, I love everything you said here. The internal uh, uh, partnerships are as important as the external partnerships, so, so important. Um, at, but but the, the piece I wanna like dive into just a little deeper is that awareness mm -hmm. of global mobility. I have heard this over and over. It's kind of a niche. Um, it's kind of that hidden end of the organization. How does someone or how, how do groups, how do they bring that awareness out? Because I think a lot of people listening right now would love to know that. Like, where would they start? How would they really, uh, I'm going to use the words, share their voice uh, about global mobility? Yeah, so what I think um, is, is helpful. Um, so for example, you know, at McKesson, we have a department that engages mainly with leaders. It's a, it's a leader support department. So, you know, having, for example, I would say trainings to, and, and they, they engage in trainings with HRBP. So, so getting into that area where basically you can talk to the HRBPs mm. all at one time, they can mm. ask questions. I think the other one that's helpful is talking to HR communication, saying, hey, is there a way that we can be put on your um, on the intranet, having maybe an article, um, also having a website that's actually on the intranet uh, where employees can go. If they look for something in the search bar, they put in relocation, it'll pop up with your mobility site. So having your own page on an intranet site is really important. Um, so I think that those are the, the two ways to start. Um, and then of course, you know, once once the relocation start happening, then word gets gets out. Um, but I think initially you have to basically do like a presentation of what is mobility, talk to the HRBPs, um, talk to, you know, leadership, and then have that presence on an intranet site. Um, I, I think those are good good ways to start out. Oh, that's great advice. I really appreciate yeah. you sharing that, Marie. I will tell you that um, engaging the BPs is so important. It's almost like I was, I was sharing with something with uh, someone one time 
about the importance of pushing information versus people having to pull information, right? Mm -hmm. So if you yeah. like, uh, you, you know, you always uh, read a, a quote by, you know, Wayne Gretzky, the great hockey player, anticipate mm -hmm. where that puck's going. So try to yeah. go ahead and push that out there so people know you're there, right? Yeah, and the other partner is of course, um, talent acquisition and talent management, mm -hmm. right? So talent acquisition is the, a very strong partner here, especially at McKesson. And so engaging with some, if you're starting out a program, you have to find out who's the leader of talent acquisition and then making sure that talent acquisition is aware of the processes that you're gonna be putting in place because they're so interlinked with mobility. Um, and most often, a lot of times I'm hearing that mobility even falls under talent acquisition within various organizations. So yeah, yeah. That's kind yeah. of interesting. So good. Hey, I got one more question before we uh, pivot to another area. And that is uh, with the war on talent, have you also found yourself needing to do anything different for mobility? I mean, I've heard different companies like offering cell phones, if they'll come aboard, if they'll, have you found yourself doing anything on the um, mobility side? So not on the mobility side. I think that what we've seen, uh, not as much anyway, what we've seen is more of, again, the exceptions in terms of, you know, temp housing extensions because things are taking longer to, you know, home purchase finding. Mm -hmm. But any, any other benefits or enticements that talent acquisition is doing or, or the business is doing to, to entice candidates, I'm, mobility is usually not involved in that. It's more of a business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's so good. Hey, I, man, I, I, I could ask you thousands of questions. Yeah. You are so knowledgeable. I appreciate you sharing. I love your perspective. Hey, I want to, I want to shift real quick on, we talked about leading your team, but I want to talk about leading Marie. And I would just love to know, like, do you have like a daily practice or something you do every day that helps you keep on track as a leader? I always like to see if I can pull something out of a leader that might, might help our listeners. That helps me put, put on track as a leader. I mean, I I have, of course, things that are ongoing, right? Uh, what I like to do is definitely I have not a daily thing. I have certainly team calls every week. Um, I have one-on-ones with the team as well and checking in. I find that what's really helpful is also having the open door policies so that my team, because they are most of them very much, they're all virtual, right? And they have been even before is to, they can always IM me whenever they need to, and they know that I'll respond unless of course I'm on a call or something uh, where I can, but they need to know that I'm accessible to them and that I'm here to support them. And I think to me, that's also very important as well. Um, and I found actually that also on team meetings, what's really nice is to get to know team members um, on a personal level, right? So they kind of share their stories and we have sometimes even like a little quiz, uh, trivia or quiz question, you know, just to get to know each other, even if it's just a quick answer. And I think that that also helps. Um, but yeah, on a daily basis, you know, you have to know what your team is doing. You have to know what's going on um, and just to interact with them as much as possible. But on a personal level, for me, what helps also decompress the stress is being able to either you know work out or go walk or do something that also is definitely important to keep that um, harmony in the mind <laughs> i love that are you a morning workout person or afternoon or evening uh i prefer mornings yeah, yeah. definitely not evenings i'm too tired by then but more I'm a, I'm a morning person in general 
Yeah, if I don't get my workout done in the morning, forget about it. <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's not gonna get. Yeah. I love, love, love what you said about getting to know your team. I think that's so important as a leader, yeah. um, because I think like empathy today is more important than ever. And yes. uh, by you doing that, I think that that really shows uh, that you care. Hey, I have one last question before we shift to his time to accelerate. And here's the question. Have you ever been given any advice from maybe a family member or early in your career or even, you know, recently that was so good, that advice was so good that you find yourself sharing that with others? Oh, goodness. Um, I have certainly been given a lot of advice in my life. A lot of it comes from my sister, <laughs> who I think was also <laughs> a mentor for me. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like... Um, the main thing is to kind of take it easy and not worry too much about the future because things will work themselves out one way or another. I mean, I think it's important not to worry too much, which is my, I would say, tendency. Um, so it's sometimes good to have that, okay, you know, just realize things are sometimes out of our control. Do what you can, do the best you can with what you have and what with, with what's going on, but don't don't worry about things that haven't happened yet. Be prepared for them in case they do, but don't worry about it as much. So, Yeah, it's easier said than done. <laughs> Sometimes that's tough. I love that. Oh my God. And you and your sister. I love how you uh, how you shared that from sister. I hey, I could we could talk about this all day, but now we're yeah. uh, to it's time to accelerate a few questions before we end the podcast. Uh, first okay. question I always like to ask is, do you, are you a reader? Do you like to read a book or do you like to listen to a podcast? Oh, I, I like both. Um, depends on what I'm doing. If I'm in, in the evening, I like books. Uh, if I'm working out or if I'm commuting, then podcasts. Any, I'm just curious, any good books that you've read over the last, in like one book that's kind of stood out to you over the last year? One book that was really great. It was about a expedition to the Arctic. I just can't remember the name Ooh. for it. No, nice. but it was wonderful like you yeah. you realize what people have gone through and it's amazing what what the human uh what, what humans can do like it's really incredible yeah it, and it's always nice to like take your like your mind just to another place yeah. Uh, yeah i love that hey let me uh let me ask you this as we are getting close to thanksgiving and you know the u.s celebrates thanksgiving and in november i always like to ask like what are you grateful for Oh, I'm certainly grateful for most everything in my life. I mean, pretty much everything, all right? So grateful for being healthy, for my family being healthy, for my family, um, for having a good job with a good company, for my husband having a good job with a good company, and, you know, for just really having that blessing of, of not having any kind of major issue going on at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, of course, there's work stuff, right? But it's not as if it's matter of life and death so i yeah. feel like it's that's definitely family and health those yeah. are the main things yeah. yeah love that love that hey so outside of uh, uh of work and global mobility and hr operations what energizes you oh what energizes me is uh, coffee <laughs> <laughs> I, love that. Um, I knew but... we were connecting <laughs> coffee. coffee is great i like to learn new things so i'm always happy when i 
you know, I love history. And so if I'm learning something, I, I love to, for example, watch documentaries or learn about other people's lives, like biographies or histor historical events. So I, whenever I get to learn something new or something that's really interesting, that's what excites me. So Yeah, I love that. Curiosity. Curiosity yeah. energizes you. I can see it now. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so I got a couple more questions. Uh, the first one is, what are you like looking forward to? Like, it, I know it. Before when I asked this question back in May, I was thinking in the next six months post pandemic, but now it could be a while. But what are you, what are you looking forward to most post pandemic? Post pandemic. Um... Well, I would love to travel again internationally. So um, maybe going to Costa Rica or somewhere like that. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to. And maybe the housing situation, like uh, basically abating. We're trying to find a house now so to purchase. So <laughs> hopefully we'll, we'll have one soon. But uh, yeah, it's hopefully things getting back to normal a little bit. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so this is my last question, Marie. I've so enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I want to ask this question. This is one of my favorite questions to ask. And that is this, Marie, 10 years older, is knocking at your door. And you're going to go answer that door. What is she going to say to you? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but she'd probably tell me you shouldn't have worried, worried so much or stressed out <laughs> as much, uh, hopefully anyway, right? Um, so yeah, I think that she would say, you know, take it day by day and things will work themselves out. I love that. It sounds like great advice from your sister. Yes. Maybe that yes. 10 years older is with your sister. Yeah. Your I've loved that. You're definitely driving in the leadership lane. I've so enjoyed our time together. You, you appreciate you sharing wisdom and, and perspective for someone who uh, was, is listening and uh, heard something and, and wants to learn more about that or, or wants to connect with you is there do you have a way to uh, for them to connect with you yes certainly linkedin is always a good a good way um you know just i'm on linkedin so you'll find me there and just feel free to send me a message or connect with me on linkedin that's the best way perfect Enjoy. i'll put that uh, i'll put that link in the show notes and and if you're connecting with marie on linkedin be sure and let her know you heard her on life and the leadership saying yep. lane podcast it always helps when you have a note right yes. where like yeah. why you're connecting. And I just love it. Yeah. Listen, I am so grateful for you coming on the show today. I've really enjoyed this. I am confident some of the things you shared today is going to help uh, a lot of people. And so for that, I say thank you so yeah. much. And I cannot wait to share this. Yeah, no, thank you for inviting me. And again, I, I hope that I had some words of uh, quote unquote wisdom. Um, so hopefully it'll help somebody. It's going to be great. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks. Talk to you later. Thanks.